Well, good afternoon and Merry Christmas, everyone. We know that Christmas for many of us means tradition, and tradition means going to church. And so we're gl- so glad that you chose to celebrate with us this go-around on your Christmas tradition. But it's Christmas time, right? This is the time that we've all been waiting for. We've all been anticipating. Like, it has to be some sort of visceral remnant from our childhood that just makes us long with expectation this time of year, right? I mean, warm feelings, Christmas cheer, all that stuff that's going on. But if we're honest, we know that that we should be feeling full of joy at this time of year. I mean, isn't that what they keep on telling us? That we're supposed to feel joy this time of year? But for many of us, if we are honest, Christmas is this time of year when we actually feel conflicted. And we feel conflicted because we know that we should be happy. We know that we should be thankful. We know that we should have this intense desire to truly enter into the season. But it just kind of short circuits for many of us. You know, we're told that Christmas should be the happiest time of year, that we should be joyful and grateful and appreciative and all that other stuff. But uh, the U.S. Center for Health says that it's at this time of year that there is a higher reported incidence of people struggling with depression than at any other time of the year. And as a matter of fact, I was just having breakfast with a friend of mine uh, this week who's a longtime EMT, first responder done it for like 35 years and he said boy it's december i sure am glad that i'm not working anymore because december was always the worst month for us all sorts of calls and attempted suicides and suicides and stuff like that and in one survey that was done 45 percent of the people who responded said that they dreaded the holiday season so merry christmas everyone we're so glad that you came here today But it's interesting, in this one article that I was reading in Psychology Today, which I just read in my spare time, you know, just some light reading there. Psychology Today said that many people get depressed at this time of year because Christmas seems to be a trigger to engage in some excessive self-reflection, introspection, and rumination about the inadequacies of life. Isn't that interesting? It's almost as if all of this pressure to be joyful, to be happy, to be grateful, actually accentuates the reality that something is missing. Something inside of us isn't quite right. It's like we intuitively feel this emptiness, and at this time of year, it's just kind of accentuated like a hole in our soul. Now, some of us ignore it. Some of us medicate it. Some of us try to drown it out in an avalanche of activity. You know, go see the new Star Wars movie or something like that. Like I just did. But it doesn't take away the fact that we still feel this emptiness. It's there. And, and the Christmas holiday time is just like a giant spotlight on our, on our soul that shows and accentuates the fact that it is there. And so we somehow instinctively know that there's something about this time, this Christmas season, that is supposed to fill this void, this ache inside of each one of us. We've been told the stories. We've heard the rumors. And so 
some of us go off in search of Christmas to kind of placate this ache that we have inside of us. Now, I just turned 50, so I'm, you know, pretty old. But how many of you remember the show In Search Of growing up? Any of you remember that one? It was narrated by Leonard Nimoy, who has also played Spock on Star Trek. So that was pretty cool. Okay? And every, every episode of In Search Of, they would go off in search of something. In search of UFOs, or in search of Bigfoot, or in search of the Loch Ness Monster. And they would, you know, try to come to some sort of conclusion at the end. What if, in an attempt to fill the hole and the emptiness that we feel acutely at this time of year, we all kind of went off and collectively went off in search of the real meaning of Christmas. Because we've heard the rumors. And there must be something out there that's supposed to fill this void that each one of us feels inside of us. So off we go in search of Christmas. And we've got to break through quite a bit of clutter and messages in our in our society to kind of get to Christmas. I mean, it's at this time of year, Christmas is associated with everything, right? I was watching the Packers game, and it's the Hyundai holiday event that it's all about, right? I mean, when do they always come? Events. Doesn't everybody have sales anymore? It's always an event. That's, I'm sorry, that's just an aside. But anyway, so we're off looking for Christmas, and if we're to go looking for Christmas in our culture... Inevitably, the first thing we're going to come across is this guy right here. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with good old Saint Nick. But I think, if I'm honest, I know that Santa Claus is not going to bring me lasting joy and true peace in my life. So, we're pretty quickly going to discard old old Saint Nick over here. And if we get beyond that, then the next thing that we come to is Christmas is, is all about the gifts, right? I mean, it's all about presents. Perhaps the reason I feel empty at this time of year is because I don't have the right stuff. And if I could just have that new MacBook or new telephone or new gadget or whatever it is, that perhaps, perhaps, then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be happy. Then this ache will go away. But for those of us who have been around the block a few times, know that there might be this momentary rush of adrenaline when we get something new. But if we wait long enough, the emptiness is back. And it's worse than ever. And so, for many of us, we're like, okay, we know Santa Claus presents, that's all pretty superficial. There's got to be something deeper about Christmas that we're supposed to feel all this joy about. And, and perhaps it's, it's spending time with family. So here we go. This is the Kelm family. This is our site pastor from Kiwaskum, right? And, and as I, so maybe, maybe if I spend time with, with friends and, and family at this time of year, But what if you don't want to spend time with family at this time of year, right? I mean, in fact, back into that that article in Psychology Today, a lot of the respondents said that they they get filled with anxiety of this time of year because of all the expectations to spend time with family members that they'd rather not spend time with. And so 
we wonder, perhaps is there something else? Is there something deeper? And we come to the conclusion that while all those things are good things, you know, presents and being with family, they're not the real reason for Christmas, and they don't ease or lessen the nagging little ache that many of us are getting in touch with at this time of year. However, in the midst of all of the activity, there's an acute awareness that something more is going on than meets the eye at the Christmas season. There's something more to the season than just Santa and presents and cookies and specials on television. If we get, dig deeper, we get to the fact that there are greater and grander themes going on. There's this manger thing that we see from time to time. And if we dig long enough, we like, oh yeah, there's that, that baby thing that we see going on in the manger. And yeah, sure, and then hope begins to well up inside of that. That's what Christmas must be all about, right? That's the real reason for Christmas. And almost like at the end of the Peanuts special, when Charlie Brown is yelling out, well, someone tell me the real reason for Christmas. And Linus kind of steps up to the bat, and he begins to read from Luke chapter 2 about the real reason for Christmas. He says, In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger. There it is. That's right. Because there is no guest room available for them. Merry Christmas again, everyone. We are so glad that you chose to join us for this time. So we've come to the manger. We had to dig around a little bit to get here, didn't we? We had to sort of pull off some cultural um, expectations and trappings and some things that sort of covered up to the manger. But here we are at the heart of Christmas, Jesus, the baby in the manger. Now some of you may be wondering, now that we're here to the manger, why is Jesus the heart of Christmas? Why is this manger the heart of Christmas and how is this really the answer to the emptiness that I might feel inside? If you feel like that today, even just a little, I can tell you with certainty that you are not alone. Most of us feel like that to some degree or another, no matter where we are at in our faith. Why is this baby in the manger the heart of Christmas? And how is he really the answer to the emptiness that I feel. Well, the truth is, the truth is, and this might sound a little crazy on a Christmas service to be saying this, the truth is that the manger per se is not actually the answer we are looking for. We will not find what we are looking for if all we see here today is this manger and a baby. What I mean is this, though the answer starts here, the answer to the emptiness we feel inside, this does not tell us 
the full story. There is so much more. And if we miss the rest, if we miss the rest, then we will miss everything. We'll miss everything. So in November, just about a month ago, six of us from Kettlebrook had the awesome privilege to go to a city in Russia called Nalchik. We were going there to help a business startup, a tourism business startup. We were there for about nine days, and while we were there, we got a pretty good view of the city because we spent a few hours every day just walking around it. And I have some pictures of Nalchik that I would like to show you. So there's Nalchik. Now, as you can tell, the weather did not quite cooperate. It left a little something to be desired while we were there. Every day was between 33 and 35 degrees, drippy, gray, foggy, and cloudy. But Nalchik was a nice city. However, personally, I found myself thinking, I don't know how well tourism is going to fly here. I mean, I don't know that I would choose this as a destination for my vacation. I don't know if I could convince my family that we should come here for a vacation. It's nice, but it's nothing life-changing or astounding. On our last full day there, our work with the business was done, and so we got to do some touring around the city and outside of the city. Our hosts wanted to take us to some ruins that were in the mountains near the city. And so we took off in our vehicles, and as we were driving, we eventually came to a spot where the road tunneled through a mountain. And our hosts stopped the vehicles, and they said, we think you should get out here. There's a path about a half mile long, and we think you should walk along that path because there's something you might want to see. Now, personally, I was thinking I would rather stay in this nice, warm vehicle because I have been freezing for the last week, and I really haven't seen anything yet that's impressed me. But because they asked, we got out and we started to walk. And as we walked along, the fog that had been plaguing us for our entire trip began to lift. And we realized that we were on somewhat of this large ledge between the mountain where the road tunneled through and a big drop-off. And so, of course, I wanted to see what was on the other side of that drop-off. So I went over to it, and being that it was Russia, there weren't guardrails. There were some just rocks, so I sort of crouched down behind the rocks and peered over the edge to see what was there. And as I peered over, I almost involuntarily shouted out, Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Because what I saw was amazing. And I yelled to my teammates, Don't go through the tunnel! Take the path! You have to come see this! We were, unbeknownst to us, along the side of a gorge, one like I had never seen before. It was incredible. It dropped straight down to this river, four or five hundred feet below us, and it rose up to mountains all around us. Mountains we could only now see because the fog was lifting. I was in awe. I was trying to take picture after picture to somehow capture this, but it was impossible. It was too incredible. And I started thinking, oh, I've got to get my family here for a vacation. This place is incredible. And all of a sudden, a tourism business in Nalchik made a lot of sense. Nalchik is amazing. 
But I had to look beyond what I had been seeing in order to realize it. It had been there all along. I just couldn't see it. And if the fog hadn't lifted, we would have missed everything. Now, I think that for a lot of us, myself included, this baby in the manger can sometimes be like Nalchik on a foggy day. Nice, but nothing amazing. Nothing astounding. Not really where I'm going to find the answer to the emptiness I feel. Because the problem is we're not seeing beyond the manger. And in order for Christmas to make sense, we have to see beyond what we see here. We need to see beyond this manger because there is so much more. But perhaps we're just not seeing it. If we look beyond the familiar story that Mike read earlier, we might be surprised what we would find. Over 500 years before this event took place, before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said this about this baby. He said he would be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The book of Colossians in the New Testament goes on talking about this baby on baby in the manger, saying Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and on earth. He existed before everything else began, and he holds all creation together. Like mountains that surround this manger, these truths stand about who Jesus is. But I think the most amazing thing we'll find is if we read a little further in Colossians, where it says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and by him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you who were once so far away from God. You see, in order to understand how this baby in the manger can be the answer that we're longing for, we need to see beyond the manger. The longing that we all have, all of us, comes because we are disconnected from God. For reasons big or small, we have become disconnected from Him. But if we look beyond the manger, we can see it sort of as through a fog. God poured all of Himself into this baby in order to make a way for us to be reconnected to Him, reconciled to Him, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And by him, God reconciled everything to himself. So for seven days, this is what my team saw of Nalchik. It was nice. It's a nice city. But this is what Nalchik actually looks like. Nalchik is not just a ho-hum foggy city in Russia. It is a gateway to these amazing mountains that surround it. 
What do we see when we look at this manger today? Are we seeing all that is there? Or are we missing the fact that Jesus is not just a baby in the manger, but he's the only one who can fulfill our longings and our emptiness because he's the only way for us to be reconciled back to God? He's everything. He is everything. So this Christmas, may you be able to look beyond what you see here. May you know and realize and accept and believe that Christmas is much more than a baby in a manger, but that this Jesus is the answer to the emptiness that is in your heart. He's the creator of the universe who came to live in human flesh. He's God who stepped into our story so that he could eventually, by his blood, reconcile us back to him. Merry Christmas, everyone.